0: Hello everybody, welcome to a race day Friday. This is your Thursday bits on a Friday because I was obviously delayed getting this out here, but it is a race day Friday. We are going to Mexico for the Mexican Grand Prix at the Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez, which the Mexican Grand Prix has been held sporadically throughout F1 history in the 60s to the 70s, then again in the 80s to the 90s, and then finally, Coming back from 2015 to the present where it has really been, I guess you could say, a split between Red Bull and Mercedes. In more recent years, the track has favored Red Bull, but this is 2022. 2022 is a different year, and we are going to have our sights fixated on whether or not this will prove to be a Red Bull track yet again. Or will a Ferrari, and perhaps, as we hear Week in and week out, probably since Barcelona this year. Will this be the race where Mercedes closes that gap? Or will something strange happen and we get a winner like from McLaren or Alpine? I don't know. Just saying, really excited. Mexico always brings a great venue, a great track, great fans. This is a year where Sergio Perez could possibly win this race as well. So all those things combined make... Me really excited and should make you excited for this year's Mexican Grand Prix. But anyway, getting started with our Thursday bits. It's a race day Friday and what would be the week of F1 without a little drama entering the race weekend? So to start off with our drama, we have to rewind back to last week's American Grand Prix at the Circuit of the Americas. And as we know, at the American Grand Prix... There's a little incident between Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll. Fernando Alonso is trying to make a pass on Lance Stroll. Lance Stroll jerks a little left, which he has a penalty this week for, by the way. Lance Stroll jerks left. Fernando Alonso clips the rear tire, rides it up, goes airborne, takes off like a 747 jet. Lance somehow controls that thing. Thank God these cars are heavier. But somehow controls that thing, scrapes the wall a little, pits Continues on, and in a spectacular Herculean effort, gets that car into seventh. Now, there was a problem at the end of the race. Fernando Alonso had his mirror flapping around, came off. Haas F1 lodged the protest, mainly because Haas feeling a little salty over Kevin Magnussen being shown the black and orange flag for other damaged parts early in the year so anyway at the end of that race Haas appeals they make a penalty and at first the FIA grants Haas's decision and decides that Fernando Alonso will receive a penalty and long story short he is forced to drop back to 15th now of course this being F1 that wasn't the end of the story Alpine lodged an appeal Alpine lodged an appeal basically saying that Haas should have appealed that earlier. And today, in the wee hours of the morning, I could not believe. You know, I guess because the FIA runs on European time, right? I was thinking, you know, this is a race that is held in North America. All the Formula One staff are going to be on the, you know, this side of the continent schedule. This side of the Earth schedule. This hemisphere, whatever you want to call it. So I figured we wouldn't hear anything until early this morning, at least when I would be awake. But I wake up this morning, I'm looking through Twitter, doing my usual doom scrolling on F1 Twitter, and lo and behold, Fernando Alonso and Alpine's appeal was granted by the FIA, basically saying that it wasn't possible, it wasn't impossible for Haas to meet the 30 minute deadline to lodge a protest and basically saying that due to this, the Haas protest is null and void and Alpine will be reinstated for P7. Now I'm sure this won't be, I mean, I guess this really, I hope this is the end of the story. Uh, You know, I think it is important. I think this is the right decision. I don't think Fernando Alonso should have been penalized for that, mirror, I think it would have set a bad precedent, Uh, you know, listen, the big problem was that the FAA saw that Fernando Alonso's mirror was flapping around that whole time, they could have asked Alpine to do something about it, they did not during the race, and I don't think it would be fair to not tell a team they have to fix something, and then after the race decide, oh, you know what, you guys should have fixed it. And I think that goes back to a bigger problem. And if you guys follow Chris Medlin on Twitter, he's a great F1 writer, um, great columnist. He was basically talking about the fact that Formula One and the FIA are essentially making the same mistakes that cost Michael Massey his job. So Chris Medlin wrote this in Motorsport Magazine. I think it's a very great article and uh, it brings up a lot of good points You know, and his argument basically was in this article on motorsport.com is essentially that last year, our criticism of the FIA was the inconsistency and Michael Massey lost his job essentially due to not being consistent. This year has been the same story, not much. Can someone tell me what really has changed between This year and last year in regards to the consistency of the FIA, the consistency of the race director. We have seen numerous significant errors made throughout the course of this year. And I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like at least every other race, it feels like we are talking about some kind of late penalty, some kind of issue. Every week, week in and week out. I don't think we had that with Michael Massey. And listen, you could say what you want about Michael Massey. And yeah, he definitely screwed up Abu Dhabi. There is no doubt that he screwed it up. But I don't think we've seen this level of inconsistency from the FIA in the longest amount of time. And it's frustrating because Michael Massey lost his job. And we were promised that we would have something more consistent, something more concrete. And yet there have been issues. I can think back. United States Grand Prix. We had this issue with Fernando Alonso. At Japan, we had the issue with the safety car and the crane being on the track and what that procedure should be. At Singapore, we had issues with how Sergio Perez's safety car procedure was carried out. So, week in and week out, we're seeing these issues. And it feels like nothing is getting resolved. It feels like it's the same thing week in, week out. And it's frustrating to see. It's frustrating to see these issues happen all the time, okay? It's, it's very frustrating. And it just seems like, again, we can go through race by race almost and see issues. Even Italy, right? <laughs> the last race at Italy, we had the Italian Grand Prix. We had an issue with the safety car also at the end of the race. So, very frustrating, We just want some consistency. I think that's all F1 fans really want. Is to know that a decision is lodged. And that that decision makes sense. And. You know. Listen. I don't know what has to be done to fix that. But clearly. This is still an issue going on. This is an ongoing issue for. Formula 1. The FIA. That needs to be rectified. And. It's just unbelievable. And I can understand why people are frustrated. And. And. I hope we could just go into a race weekend where there are no question marks at the end. Because it's frustrating to wait. What do we have to wait now? The to, until the next day or to 4 hours later to find out the official results of a race? God forbid something like this happen. And we did, right? Basically, we saw this in Abu Dhabi last year, where we didn't know who the champion was, technically, until hours after the race. And then even still, there were question marks. But there's going to be a time, if this doesn't get fixed, and thankfully, you know what, Max Verstappen, Red Bull, say what you want about the overspending, that's going to be a whole nother story. But Max Verstappen, Red Bull, clearly miles ahead. In the championship. The world drivers and world constructors. So that won't be an issue this year. What about next year? What if we get a race? A race for the championship that is close. Are we going to be waiting? Hours? Is this going to be the norm? Because we don't want this to be the norm. So if you're going to fire Michael Massey for inconsistency. You got to get on your new race directors too. And... Do what you got to do, work out race control to make things more efficient. I think the other issue we saw right at Circuit of the Americas too was track limits, inconsistency there. Yeah, they were more strict about it, but still people were posting videos of other drivers, not just the Red Bull drivers, but I believe other drivers too that were essentially not following the same track limits as well and not getting penalized for it. I don't know why. I thought we were supposed to be like promised this whole like VAR type system. I haven't seen it used. I don't know if anybody else has. But I thought that was something that they were going to implement. Unless I am wrong and that was supposed to be implemented next year. I honestly can't remember. But I feel like I read that was gonna be for this year. Why can't we do that? You know. We have the technology. It's really I feel like We can work this out. I don't know. But that's my rant for that part of the race weekend. You know, it it sucks that we have to go into a new race weekend still talking about a penalty from the last race weekend. All I'm saying is it shouldn't take that long between races. Shouldn't be something like that to figure out. But anyway, this has been a busy week at F1. The other major news in case you've been living under a rock, was that Audi, Audi Motorsport, Audi is coming into F1. So in 2026, we are going to have an Audi, would it be Audi Sauber or would it be Sauber Audi? But either way, we are going to have a partnership between Audi and Sauber. Basically having this partnership and this is bringing us back right like this has been Sauber's thing right Sauber has always been kind of this team that has made this partnership so officially beginning in 2026 we will have the Sau- the Sauber Audi the Audi Sauber whatever you want to call it but they're going to enter formula 1 in 2026 both as a power supplier and as a works team in conjunction with Sauber which Sauberman, I was just watching the F1. F1. F1 social media does a great job. And I love their origin stories. If you get a chance, I recommend you watch them. They are. If you are someone who enjoys the history of the sport of F1, it's really cool to watch. And I was watching the one on Sauber that they just made yesterday. And it was really incredible to see. And, you know, I guess you don't really think of Sauber's legacy in F1 And the connections they've had And really, you know, you have to take a step back And really think about it And Sauber has just been connected And has been an integral part of F1 for so long And it's one of those cool, like If you had to think of teams that are, like In Formula 1 simply Just because of someone's vision I mean, I guess you could say That with every team But if you're really thinking of, like, these teams that Really started from nothing. I I know there was Bruce McLaren and you could argue that, you know, Bruce McLaren is in the same vein as a Williams or a Sauber, but to me, Sauber and Williams are these teams, and I know their ownership group is totally different from where they started now, but those are teams that we can credit their entry into Formula 1 thanks to just two simple individuals that had a dream, put their resources together and made their dream of an F1 team happen. And I'm hoping that with Audi, you know, we could get like the Sauber of old, you know, like the Robert Kubica Sauber, you know, it would be so cool to see. And I think it's good for the future of Formula One. I think it's cool having Audi. I mean, of course, you got to be concerned if you're one of the smaller teams like a Haas, like a Williams, because... Most of the teams now are some kind of works team. I mean, if you think about it, right, we have Mercedes, works team. McLaren is essentially a works team. Ferrari's a works team. Alpine's a works team. Aston Martin. You have the conglomerates of AlphaTauri and Red Bull. So that really leaves Haas as the lone and Williams as those lone uh, teams that are not so much, quote unquote, a works team. So, I think it's cool to see Audi going into Formula 1. Obviously, that's going to create some changes. Um, The partnership between Ferrari and Alfa Romeo and Sauber are going to end too. So, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen here. I think it's really going to be cool to see, I guess, sorry, not with Ferrari, but Ferrari's power units will be in 2024, 2025. They'll continue with Ferrari. It's the partnership with Alfa Romeo that's going to end next year. And that really might create an interesting dynamic because now we're wondering, you know, Audi supposedly wants German drivers. And that connects into this whole saga to going on in the background, which um, with Mick Schumacher, who they're going to put there. There's rumors that, you know, maybe if Mick indeed doesn't get extended with Haas. He's actually been in talks with Audi already, which makes sense they would probably want a German driver. But I think it's pretty cool that we're going to see Audi in Formula 1. I think it's great for the sport. I think it's great to add another significant manufacturer. And it's going to be a new era, right? A new era of Formula 1 racing, new power suppliers coming in. And overall, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from here. And I think... It'll be unique. I don't think they're going to see success right away. I mean, we've seen this before. Even Mercedes, which is considered now one of the greatest Formula 1 teams to ever exist, had its struggles when it entered initially into Formula 1 as a works team, obviously, after acquiring Braun GP. So, be interesting to see where Audi goes from there. I think that's a team that has potential. Will they win right out the bat? Probably not, because just of the nature of that is formula one i mean we've seen works teams come in and we've seen works teams fail thinking back to like jaguar days right so thinking back to the struggles of mercedes just because it's a team with all these resources and money doesn't mean there will be success right away and hopefully they can put together the right partners the right structure to create a team that is competitive but i digress talking about the last part of our segment for today for our Thursday bits on a Friday the Mexican Grand Prix looking forward to this race right so this race historically has been a track dominated in recent years by Red Bull specifically Max Verstappen I mean we did have a Nico Rosberg win, and I believe two Lewis Hamilton wins in the past since it's been introduced in this you know turbo hybrid era of Formula One this year is going to be a unique dynamic. Red Bull has been dominating the season. They look by far to have a great car that basically week in and week out, there is not a track that is not suited for this Red Bull. Now, I was reading somewhere where Total Wolf has basically said, well, Mercedes thinks they can challenge the front at this race and we shall see the big thing people say with mexico and you know i i don't know if anybody is familiar with this but mexico is higher above with elevation and that wrecks havoc on some of these formula one cars and the performance of them especially with the engines and things like that so essentially what people are claiming is they can't guarantee whether or not this will still continue to be a Red Bull track. And historically, Mexico and the Mexican Mexican Grand Prix has not favored the engines of the Mercedes. Total Wolf claims they've made enough upgrades. And the draggy Red Bull, I believe they said, will not succeed so well here at Mexico. I don't know if that's simply true. I mean, I think, I really still think that this is going to be the race for Red Bull to win. And you know what? Maybe Mercedes will surprise us. I mean, we got practice in a few hours. I will be glued to that TV. It is kind of funny, though, how (laughs) we're just completely ignoring Ferrari. Like, I feel like even the last couple weeks, Ferrari, Charles Leclerc is on five consecutive podiums. And I feel like, in my opinion, that hasn't been talked about enough. I know it's been mentioned. Obviously, it's on the top of my head because it's been mentioned. But I just feel like Ferrari kind of has had a better recent half of the season. It's just kind of flying under the radar. Another team, too, that... You know what team I'm really excited for this week? And I'm honestly excited to see these guys week in and week out. Is Aston Martin. And I got to say, you know... Say what you want about Lance Stroll. He had a mega qualifying effort. He did completely mess up that move with Fernando Alonso, though. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind that Lance made... You can even see, if you look on that replay, he jerks that wheel. It's not even like a slight jerk. It's a, it's a big jerk to the left to clearly block off Fernando and really resulted in a dangerous accident. This is the first time Lance has kind of used... Not so great judgment when it came to something regarding either, I think, back to Hungary where he kind of, you know, that accident was happening in front of him. And I understand those conditions were tough, but he came in literally like a wrecking ball. I know Valtteri Bottas gets a lot of critique for what happened with that race, but Lance Stroll, if you watch that replay, he was no innocent person himself either. So, But at the same time, I got to say, Aston Martin has... Made a significant turnaround. Sebastian Vettel was primed for a great finishing position at Circuit of the Americas. Until a messed up pit stop essentially cost him the race. Or not the race, but cost him a better finishing position in the race. And yet he still drove that thing to a 7th place finish. I mean, uh, I guess it's what now an 8th place finish. But still... He still drove that thing to a mega finish. I mean, the way Sebastian Vettel came back. And I got to say, that race, again, we saw... I love seeing Fernando Alonso and Sebastian Vettel just showing their grit that they have as drivers. I mean, that is something that I think we are truly blessed to see in Formula 1. We are, we should be grateful that these guys are still on the grid. And it's going to be a shame when we lose Sebastian Vettel next year. But... Those guys still got it, man. And to watch them race the way they're racing on the grid is is epic. I, I love it. I really do. So I'm wanting to see if Alpine, maybe Aston Martin, can have a good race. Maybe Sebastian Vettel. He said he wants to go out on top. He wants to go out racing as hard as he can. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see, especially if the Aston Martin has made the strides that they've made. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Sebastian just having some spectacular finishes towards the end of the year. And I think it would be it would make us all happy. It would be really like one of those things that we would be so excited to see. There's nobody with more of a legendary storied career than him and I think it's truly epic if we get to see him finish in this spectacular manner. So I for one am really excited to see what the Alpines, what the Aston Martins can do. And we still have this incredible midfield battle between McLaren and Alpine too. And listen, we know, and it pains me to say this, but we know that Danny Rick is not going to be able to bail McLaren out at this point. It seems like, I'm glad he's taking a year off. This season is just wrecked. Daniel Ricciardo in terms of... You could just tell when you see this man talk, man. The body language, the emotions, the expressions. You can tell, man, that this is a guy that has struggled. And, you know, it's one thing for a driver to struggle when he's like, you know what, I don't got it. But to hear Daniel Ricciardo just talk about him trying to push this car and that he just can't figure it out, it's painful to hear, man. And... You gotta feel for the guy. This is guy this is a guy who five years ago was at the top of his game winning races. A great teammate to Max Verstappen. And since leaving Red Bull, man, it's just been like this steady decline that is painful to watch. But that has been the story of this year, and I think it's great that he's going to. I think, listen, I, I also read somewhere that they're considering him for ESPN TV coverage. I think that would be great. I think it would be great. I think Daniel Ricardo has the personality, has the knowledge, obviously, to be a great commentator on ESPN's coverage of Formula One. So we know Daniel Ricardo is going to be away from the sport. For at least a year. Will he be able to come back? We have our doubters, but be interesting to see if he actually does get that job in the booth because I think that'd be cool. I think we'd all like that. I, I think that would be a big hit. And you know what? It would kind of bridge, right? If we're thinking, let's get real. One of the first stars of Drive to Survive was Daniel Ricciardo. And I think that's why so many people do love Daniel Rick too, is because of the connections they made with him on drive to survive but more by watching drive to survive you know what i forgot to bring up and i just thought of this too how did we completely miss like one of the most random pieces of formula one drama was between martin brundle and will buxton this week like what is going on sometimes with this sport so for those of you that aren't filled in martin brundle's doing his whole you know grid walk, blah 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 blah. brad pitt Essentially blows them off. Big deal made about it. Martin Brundle rants on Twitter. Will Buxton comes in. Talking about how there is a set list. And you know that. We know who's approachable. Who's not. And it was just a weird exchange. Like why does this stuff happen? Why does this stuff ha- Why are Will Buxton and Martin Brundle. I wouldn't say going at it on Twitter, but debating each other on Twitter. Like, why is this a thing? Karun Chanduk got involved. I mean, oh, my God. The things that go on on F1 Twitter sometimes, guys. Like, it is a unique, a unique space. I don't know. But, anyway, we're also going to apparently hear about the penalties for Red Bull this week. For the cost cap overspend. The one thing I believe, I'm hoping that it is something that penalizes in the spirit of competition as well. I hope, I think wind tunnel time being taken away is great. There has to be a fine as well. I think there needs to be something to say, listen, if you're going to overspend your capability, either you're going to lose constructors points, which I have no problem if they retroactively take away constructors points from Red Bull for 2021. I would feel a championship at this point, taking it away. It wasn't a gross overspend. I feel taking away the driver's championship is a little extreme. I know, especially, you want to say, it's not of the driver's doing. And you think Lewis Hamilton, I think Lewis Hamilton even said it himself. Lewis Hamilton doesn't want to win his eighth championship a year later. That's not Lewis Hamilton. That's not the driver, the competitor we know. So I don't think Lewis would even want it that way. But yeah, when Red Bull gets penalized, they're going to get penalized. I'm just hoping it's more than a fine. Because to me, a fine for an F1 team is whatever, you know? So hoping it does something that actually limits their capability of developing their car for future years. I think that's an appropriate penalty. It says, hey, you want to overspend? Well, guess what? You screw yourself down the road for a year or two. And I have no problem with that. You know, your wind tunnel time is reduced. Your spending is, you know, take that money off their budget for the next year. Or if you have to, the next year after. Limit their capability to develop that car as much as possible. Or at least attempt, make a genuine effort To take away the resources that team needs to develop that car further. For the next year or the year down the road. I think that's a fair penalty. Because if you want to overspend, and again the whole point of this budget cap was to bridge the competition together. And if you're going to flaunt those rules, take your penalty. Play in the midfield for a while. That's my viewpoint on that. But anyway, I'm excited for the Mexican Grand Prix. Going to be watching practices today. Going to be watching qualifying tomorrow. And of course, the race on Sunday. We'll get back to you guys with my race reaction either Sunday night, Monday. I'll get it out by Monday. Hopefully, it's a good race. Hopefully, it's an exciting race. And I will talk to you guys after the Mexican Grand Prix. Have fun. Enjoy the race. Wait, the race. The, re, ugh, the race weekend. Enjoy the race weekend. And may the best man win.